Morning, everybody. I wasn't sure if I should interrupt all that great socializing going on. Um, Would you thank our worship team for leading us this morning? Yeah. Man, they just did a, a phenomenal job. Um, and that last song that we were singing there, we're actually going to talk about some of those elements that God comes to our rescue. So we're going to see today how God can rescue us in some very difficult situations. So anybody excited to see the sun? Yeah. Woo! Yeah, it's exciting. We're like, we're pretty pathetic, aren't we? Yeah, I call my friend up in Minnesota. I'm like, dude, you're not going to believe this. Like, we had like three days, like a rain. He's like, it's like negative 50, man, so like, leave me alone. I'm like, okay, like, I think we can you know, get over it. So we're glad to have the sun back. Uh, if you're new with us, we're glad that you're here today. We're actually coming to the end of a series called Overcomer. And in this series, we're trying to learn that, that God wants us to overcome the things that stand in our way, those things that try to hold us back in our relationship with him. So in this series, we've looked at things like overcoming our past, overcoming our fears, overcoming temptations, overcoming doubt. I mean, there's all kinds of things that that stand in our way and try to prevent us from moving forward significantly in our relationship with God. God wants us to learn how to overcome those things. But not only does God want us to overcome those things, God has empowered us and equipped us to overcome those things. Now, our theme verse for this series has been 1 John 4, 4, which states in part, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Now, when I'm memorizing a Bible verse, and if if you're not up to memorizing a Bible verse, you've never done that before, that's a great one to memorize because it's really short. I like short Bible verses. Uh, When I'm trying to memorize a Bible verse to help me in my relationship with God, I try to put myself into that verse a little bit. So the way I've been memorizing this one is I say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So when I'm facing an obstacle, when I'm facing a a challenge in my life, I remind myself, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's inside of me. The Bible says that if you're a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So greater is he that's in me than any obstacle that I could face, than anything that could stand against me, anything that can stand against you. If you're a Christ follower, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's a truth worth holding on to. That's a truth that'll help us live like overcomers. Now, today we're going to talk about another thing that we need to overcome in life. And it's the pressure that our culture puts on us. So every day, our culture puts large amounts of pressure on us. So we get it from TV, movies, the internet. If you're out shopping, you get it from work. I mean, any place that we go in our world, we get large amounts of pressure that's put on us. So the, the pressure that comes from our culture tells us stuff like this. You need more stuff. Why? Because you don't have enough stuff or you don't have the right stuff. Our, our culture tells us stuff like this, that you're not cool. If you're not doing the latest thing, driving the latest thing, drinking the latest thing, or wearing the latest thing, you're not cool if you're not doing that stuff. Our culture says, you know, if you're trying to follow God and his principles, I mean, that's so like last thousand years ago or something. I mean, that's so like outdated. Why would you follow that? I mean, you know, we live in the cool modern age. 
And we don't follow that. That stuff was written for people thousands of years ago. Why would you be trying to follow that? So our culture constantly tries to put us into a mold. It wants to shape us. It wants us to live a certain way. It wants us to look a certain way. And our God says, listen, I don't want you living by the standards of our culture. I don't want you looking like our culture. So listen to what God says in Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, the uh, New King James Version of the Bible translates that verse as saying, don't be conformed to this world. So God says, listen, the world's gonna try to conform you. The world's gonna put pressure on you. The world wants you to follow its ways, its standards. It doesn't want you to follow mine. Don't be conformed to the world. And God says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to influence the world to conform the world around you to God's image. The reality is that all of us are created in God's image. Whether you believe in God or not, you're created in God's image. And God says, listen, I want you to live in that image and I want you to help people around you to learn to live in that image as well. And when we live in that image, when we live as God has designed us to live, we experience life in a way that many people don't ever experience. And so God wants us to allow him to transform us in the way that we think and transform the way that we behave. And then we can have an influence on the people around us in the way that they think and the way that they live. So God is the only one that can really transform people. And our mission here at Epic is to lead people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, the, the cool thing is that Jesus is the only one that can transform someone's life. He's the only one. So we want people to meet Jesus and be transformed by him and so that he can help change the way that they think and change the way that they live and, and change, get this, their eternal vacation plans. I mean, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Guess what? Your, your eternal vacation plans are gonna be different than if you don't know Jesus. So that's why for us, it's so important for people to meet him and be transformed by him. Now, today, we're gonna explore overcoming the pressure that our culture puts upon us by looking at a couple of Old Testament stories found in the book of Daniel. So if you've got a Bible with you and you know where Daniel is, flip on over to that. If you've got a Bible app on your phone, bring that up. Uh, if you don't have either of those, uh, the verses are going to come up on the screen today. But I encourage you to capture these verses, write them down, um, put them in your phone or something. Go back and read these stories later. There's a lot that we're not going to be hitting today. There's some amazing stories in the Bible. Now, if you've ever heard of Daniel and the lion's den, uh, that's the guy that we're going to be talking about today. And we're actually also going to look at three of his friends that stood up in their culture in a very significant way. Now, I'm going to read through these stories, and then we're going to make some applications along the way. Now, to set up the backdrop of our story today, let me tell you about the time frame that we're going to look at. So it was about 600 years before Christ came on planet Earth, so 600 BC. We've got the nation of Israel, God's specially chosen people. They are occupying the city of Jerusalem at that time. Okay, and their, their um, kingdom had been divided. So there's a northern kingdom, a southern kingdom. There was a, some rebellion going on between them and God. They weren't following God, and God predicted there would be a, a split in their nation. So we've got around 600 BC, we've got another kingdom, the Babylonians, 
under the rule of King Nebuchadnezzar. So they come to Israel and they defeat the Israelites in, on their own soil. And what King Nebuchadnezzar would do when he would come and defeat another nation, as he was doing all around that area, he was the mightiest, mightiest leader at that time. So he'd go around and defeat all these nations and he would take a majority of those people back to Babylon to live as slaves. So, you know, just imagine for us, try to put us in that context. So another nation comes in and defeats the United States on our own soil and then takes a majority of us, millions of us, get deported back to that nation to live as slaves. So that's the context of the story that we're looking at today for the nation of Israel. So these slave nations would be forced to Babylon, forced to live there as slaves. They would be forced to learn a new language, new culture, new customs, worship new gods. All of their freedoms would be gone. All the stuff that they enjoyed would be gone in their lives. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar was one smart king. So he knew that these slave nations would want to fight against him. I mean, he knew, you know, I'm gonna bring them back to my country and they're gonna wanna fight against me. They're not gonna wanna be my slaves. And if they get a moment to fight a, a battle against me and win, then they're gonna defeat me from the inside of my own country and then head back to their country. So what he did was he would take the youngest, brightest leaders that he could find in that nation and he would put them in a training program for three years. So he'd go around and find all the young, bright leaders that he could find, put them in this three-year training program, and they would learn everything about the Babylonian culture. They would learn history, language. They would learn math, astronomy, uh, science, and more. And the ones that did well in this training program would be rewarded with positions, high-ranking positions in his kingdom. He would give them wealth, power, possessions, and so, you know, it'd be pretty uh, a great experience for them. If you're in slavery and you end up being one of these guys, there's a certain amount of loyalty that you're going to have to King Nebuchadnezzar because King Nebuchadnezzar is making you wealthy. So even though the rest of your nation is not doing so well, like it's not going so bad for you. And so if your nation wants to fight against the king, guess what you're probably going to do? Talk them out of it. You know, it's not so bad. You know, it's really not so bad here. You know, I think we can work it out. You know, let's just make the best of this situation. You know, be the best slaves that we can possibly be. Yeah, I'm getting rich. You know, I mean, it's going well for me. And it's, you know, may not be so great for you, but it's not as bad as it could be. And so they would try to keep that nation as a slave. Brilliant strategy from King Nebuchadnezzar. Obviously, he knows something about humanity. He knows something about us. And if we benefit in a scenario, and we care less about people around us that might be suffering. And think about how that happens in our world. Think about the United States. Think about our world and how you see that. And it's a sad reality. But sometimes if we're benefiting, it doesn't matter what's happening around us to the, to the other people that are around us. Now, as part of King uh, Nebuchadnezzar's training program, uh, he would give these new recruits the finest that his kingdom had to offer. Uh, they would wear the finest clothes, they would live in the finest homes, have the finest educations, and then they would get the finest food. So uh, Daniel chapter one, verse five tells us that the king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. Now for us, we would be pretty excited like, wow, this is awesome. You know, I'm here I am a slave and I get all this education. I get all this stuff, all this 
power and I get to eat like all the king's food, like whatever the king eats, I get a portion of that. So this is fantastic. But for our Israelites, this would cause a problem. You see, God had told the Israelites, there's certain things I don't want you to eat. Like they're off limits. It's off your menu. Don't have them. And so they would instantly be put in a dilemma. What do we do? How how do we resolve this problem? Um, If we eat this food, we're violating God's principles. We're going directly against something God has asked us not to do. And yet, if we don't, most likely we'll be killed. So it would be easy for them to rationalize their situation. It would be so easy for them to say, here we are, we're slaves. You know, the Southern nation came in, defeated us. They took us back. You know, we're stuck here. If we don't eat this food, we're going to die. I'm sure God will overlook it. I'm sure it's not that big a deal to God. He'll understand, like, if we're all killed, like, you know, our, our nation can't grow and be, you know, his people. So I guess we just have to, even though we don't want to violate God's standards, I guess we just kind of have to. They could have easily convinced themselves of that in that situation. And sometimes we are tricked into convincing ourselves similar things. When our culture comes along and tries to put us in a mold, tries to shape the way that we live and we think, sometimes we can rationalize away our involvement in things in our culture that don't honor God. And we can say things like, you know, everybody else is doing it. And if I don't do this, I'm going to be made fun of, either at school or work or at the gym or wherever. Somebody's going to make fun of me if I don't do what they're wanting me to do. Or our culture says it's okay. Maybe God's standards are a little outdated. You know, maybe they really are kind of old-fashioned. And, you know, maybe God won't mind so much if we live in our kind of new culture, our new uh, current contemporary environment. Or we say stuff like, you know... Our world is so driven by technology, and I, I may have some struggles with technology, but I, I have to use technology because like, I, you know, my life depends on it, so I'm going to have to manage these two things, even though there's some bad that I've found in it. Or, you know, my family says I have a drinking problem, but alcohol is fine in our culture, and I'm a grown man. I can drink what I want. Nobody else can tell me what to do with my drinking issue. Or and I hear this more often than, than I would like, where people say, you know what, I know I, I, know I shouldn't be living with this person. I, I know that I'm violating a standard that God has, but I've put myself in a place where I can't afford to not have them here. Like, I've, like I need their income to be in this spot. There's all kinds of ways that we rationalize when our culture comes and tries to put pressure on us to live in a way that God says, listen, I don't want you living that way. Now, these young Israelite men have a decision to make. Uh, they're in a, a tough spot. You know, either they violate God's standards or they violate the king's commands. And we aren't sure how many Israelites were in this dilemma, but there are four of them that decided we're not going to violate God's standards. We're just not. Now, whatever the cost, we're going to face it. We're just going to follow God no matter what. Their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And when they moved to Babylon, the king changed their names to Babylonian names so it would further indoctrinate them into the Babylonian culture. So they get their new names here. They get the names of Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So if you're like looking through baby name books and trying to find something really unique, like nobody's going to pick this one, you got four options right there, okay? All right, verse eight. It says, Daniel was determined... 
not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid of the Lord, my Lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Verse 11. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's request and tested them for 10 days. Now, just pause here for just a minute. Sometimes... We get in these situations that we feel like we're stuck, that we get into a spot at work or in a relationship or whatever, and we're just like, man, I'm just, I'm like culturally stuck in this, this moment. Like, I'm not sure what to do. And sometimes all we have to do is ask for that obstacle to be removed. I mean, there are moments that that's all we have to do. It's that simple. Just ask. There's somebody that recently started coming to church here and had a conversation with them not long ago, and they said, listen, um, I would love to come to church more often, but I've got to work on Sunday. And I have that conversation with people all the time. And so we just had a little conversation about it and um, prayed together and said, I don't know, God's got a solution for you with that. So we prayed. And at the end of that conversation, the person said, you know what, I'm going to go ask my boss if I can come in later. Like, if I could just come in later on Sunday, I'd come to church, come in later, and then I could still do the work that's required of me, and I can be at church as well. They went and asked their boss, and guess what? Their boss said, sure. Like, sure, great idea. Yeah, that's fine. You can do that. So they're able to come to church and then go to work later. Sometimes we get in these spots that we just think we're stuck, and we say, you know, I know my boss, I know how my company works, I know how my, my parents would, would respond to this, I know what, um, you know, my spouse would say, and we answer the question for them before we ever ask the question. Sometimes it can be just as simple as just saying, hey, is there a way that we can move this obstacle? It would help me in my relationship with God, and it just might move. So Daniel asks, and his request is granted. Verse 15, It says, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. Now, verse 18. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them 10 times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. So God rewarded these guys for determining to follow God's standards instead of being conformed to their cultural standards in that moment. And God will do the same for you. God can reward you when you determine, like, listen, I'm, I'm going to follow God's principles 
I'm not going to be conformed to a cultural principle that's going on in your scenario. Now, Daniel chapter one sets up the rest of the story today. So we're going to shift to another story. And we're going to focus on Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah and a significant story, something that happened to them, how God helped them overcome a a very big cultural issue that they were dealing with. So they found favor with the king. They were placed in high positions of leadership in Babylon and all was going well for them until another defining moment came along. See, King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, as the mightiest ruler at that time period, had an ego problem. You can probably imagine that he might. So he had this ego problem. He liked to show off his might and his splendor. And so he decided, you know, I'm going to make a statue of me. And it was 90 feet tall, nine feet wide, this gold statue. And so what he said was, you know, when it's finished, I'm going to invite everybody, all of my high-ranking officials. So we're going to have a big official party, and we're going to have a dedication ceremony of my statue. And everybody's going to bow down and worship the statue. So chapter 3, verse 4, says, then a herald shouted out, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and other musical instruments, bow down to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, our young Israelites would be in another dilemma. They would have a problem here with this. You see, God had told them in the Ten Commandments not to bow down to any other gods. See, in the Ten Commandments, it says this. You must not have any other god but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or in the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. So what were they gonna do? What what do they do in in this moment? I mean, if they bow down, they violate another one of God's standards. But if they don't, they're going to die a pretty horrible death. They're going to be burned to death. I mean, I'm thinking that's not a pleasant way to die. And so they've got to decide, what do we do here in this moment? Every high-ranking Israelite would be in that same spot, and they would have to decide. Now, we don't have Daniel in this part of the story. We're not sure exactly where he's at. Most likely, he's back at the king's court handling stuff for the king while the king is away. So again, we don't know how many this would affect for the Israelites, how many men would be involved in this, but there are only three. There are only three that said, like, we're not going to bow down. We're just going to stand for God's principles in a culture that's telling us to do something that's violating God's truth. So when King Nebuchadnezzar found out, he was furious. Verse 13 says, he flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true that you three refuse to serve my gods or to worship the statue I've set up? And listen, I'm going to give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I've made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace and then... What God will be able to rescue you from my power? So he's flexing his muscles here, and he's giving these guys one last chance. So what would you do in that situation? 
what would you do? I mean, would you bow down to worship a statue when God said, don't do that? Or would you stand and say, listen, I'm sorry, I I can't do that. So listen to what our overcomers did in verse 16. They told the king, I think this is, this is awesome. Let's take some guts right here. They said, king, save your trumpets. We don't need to defend ourselves before you. Okay, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your mighty power, your majesty. And I love this next part. And if like, this were made into a movie, I can just see Clint Eastwood. You know? Can you see Clint Eastwood standing there, squinting eyes, saying, you know, go ahead, make God's day. Sorry, bad uh, impersonation of Clint there. But in verse 18, they said, but even if he doesn't, and we want to make it clear to you, that we will never serve your gods worship, or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Talk about guts. I mean, they're standing, talking to the most powerful man in the world who can instantly have them killed. And, and they are strong in that moment. And they say, I'm sorry, we got to make something very clear to you. Like if it wasn't clear before when we stood and everybody else was bowing, we want to make it clear to you again. We will not bow to your statue or to your gods. Now, there's a few things I'd like us to to unpack from this part of the story. First thing is this. They said, God can save us, but even if he doesn't. I think there's a huge theological truth we need to understand there. There are many moments, and we were singing in that song, that God comes to our rescue. And there are other moments that God doesn't show up when we want him to. I think they were acknowledging that reality that there are moments that we, we think God's going to show up and, and, and save us. They say, like, even if he doesn't, sometimes God doesn't save us from all pain. Sometimes God doesn't show up when we would expect him to. Sometimes we do the right thing and it doesn't go well for us. And we saw that a few weeks ago in Joseph's story, when Joseph did the right thing and, and he was thrown in prison for it. And uh, if you know the story of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist, He went around telling people about Jesus, and guess what? He got his head taken off for that, and Jesus didn't try to save him from that. And Jesus himself, he did the right thing. He ended up dying on a cross for for crimes he did not commit. So just because we're followers of Jesus, it does not mean that things are always going to go well for us. We need to understand that. But you see, overcomers understand that. Overcomers understand that God is weaving a bigger story. He's telling a much bigger story than our little stories. God's doing something great in the world. And if God doesn't show up in our story, in our little moment of time, we understand that God's doing something way bigger and we trust in him and him alone. So I think that's where these guys, our three amigos are standing in front of the king going, listen, God doesn't show up, it doesn't matter. We die in the fire, it doesn't matter. We answer to him, not to you. We're not going to bow down. We're going to stand firmly under God's principles no matter what happens. I think in our lives, we need to make a few things clear to other people and to ourselves. Maybe you're in a relationship and the other person keeps asking you to do something that you know is wrong. So maybe you need to have a let me make it clear moment. 
conversation where you say to them, like, I want to make it clear to you. You keep asking me to do this thing, but I will not. I will not do this thing, so let's just get that off the table. It's not an option. No matter how many times you bring it up, no, no matter how creative you are in your presentation of it, I will not do this thing. It's something that God does not want me to do, so I will not. Maybe your boss is asking you to do something that's unethical. Maybe you need to have uh, a respectful conversation with your boss and make it clear. You know, I'm sorry, I know you have the ability to fire me for not doing something that you asked, but I just want to make it clear to you. I will not do this thing. It's unethical. It's a violation of my, my values and my God. I'm sorry. You got to decide what you want, but I will not do this thing. I need to live with integrity in, in how I work and how I live and how I serve my God, so I will not do this thing. Maybe your spouse keeps throwing around this divorce word and, and, and threatening you with this divorce issue. And maybe you just need to have a, I need to make it clear conversation. Like this, listen, like you want to divorce me? You want to pursue all that? You want to end our, our relationship, our marriage, whatever? Like you can do that. Like you have the right to do that. But let me make it clear. I am going to do everything within my power to live in this relationship in a way that honors God. I'm going to do everything within my power to fix our relationship and experience a kind of marriage that only God can provide. So do what you want, but let me just make it clear. So you may need to have a make it clear conversation with your boss, with your parents, with your friends, with your kids, like anybody, maybe even yourself. There are moments, and if you're like me, there are moments I try to convince myself to do something that's outside of God's design. We all do that. And so sometimes we've got to look ourselves in the mirror and just say, okay, listen, you know, I got to make it clear with you. Okay, like, look at me. Make sure you're paying attention. All right? Like, let me make it clear. We will not be doing that. Like, we're going to follow God's principles and his standards. That's how we're going to live. So let me just make it clear to you. We will not bow down and we will not worship that God. Well, as you can imagine, the king wasn't thrilled with their response. He was furious, and verse 19 says his face distorted with rage, and so he ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than it had been heated, and he ordered these guys thrown in the furnace, tied up and thrown in. So the guys that, the soldiers that grabbed these guys, tied them up and threw them in the furnace, they died instantly. It was so hot. And then verse 24 says, but suddenly... Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Well, look, he shouted, I see four men unbound walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. So guess where God showed up for our three amigos? It was in the fire. Guess where God just might show up for you? in your fiery situation, in the fire. Now, I would prefer to avoid all fiery situations in life. You know, I mean, wouldn't you? Like, I, you know, like if it's a furnace, like I'd rather just stay away from it. There's all kinds of situations that we get into in life, fiery situations that are difficult. And guess where God shows up? In the fire. See, that's where God does his greatest work. Is like right in the middle of something that's very painful and, and, and difficult for us to experience. So when you're in a fiery trial, you need to open your eyes and look around because that's where God is. He's right there. 
He's right there with you. He's right there to support you, to guide you, to protect you. He can protect you in that trial. He can protect your family. He can protect your finances, your relationships, your reputation, your future, your health. He can protect everything right in the midst of that fire. Now, guess what happened next? Verse 26 tells us this. You can go ahead and answer that if you need to. Yeah, God showed up in the fire. (laughs) All right, so verse 26 says, Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God. Get that statement. He doesn't serve God. He doesn't serve the God of heaven. He worships other gods. But he said, listen, in that moment, your God is higher than my God. So you servants of the most high God, come out. Come over here. I got to talk to you. So, so they come out of the fire. Then the high officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. Amazing. So when you walk through fiery trials, guess what? God can even protect what you smell like. I mean, you can come out smelling like a rose, you know? And you're walking through a very difficult situation in life. Verse 28 says, then Nebuchadnezzar said, praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants who trusted in him. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Therefore, I make this decree. If any people, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they will be torn limb from limb, and their houses will be turned into heaps of rubble. There is no other God who can rescue like this. King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonian king, didn't worship the God of heaven, and he's saying, there's no other God like this God. No other God can rescue like their God. And then he promoted them to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Now, uh, let me just unpack a few things from this portion of the story. Uh, Number one, when we stand for God, others just might be drawn to him. So in that moment, here they stand and say, listen, we're not going to bow down. Like who found out about that? Like everybody, everybody's going, can you believe those three guys? They're going to be crispy critters by the evening. I mean, they're dying. And then to find out they walked out of the fire unharmed. Now, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't become a Christ follower in that moment, but he put a spotlight for his entire nation on the God of heaven. So when we stand for God at work, at school, people around just might be drawn to him because of our bold faith. Number two, standing with others is easier than standing alone. So you've got Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were stronger together than they were apart. Now, you might have to stand alone in some moments. I mean, you may have to stand in your boss's office. There's nobody else there. You may have to stand, you know, facing your parents or facing one of your kids or uh, in a, a scenario where you feel like you're alone. But understanding that there are other people out there that live by your same values, that are as passionate as you are, can help you gain strength in that. So we are stronger together 
then we are apart. And that's for me why I think uh, coming to church is so important. You know, being a part of a church family is critical because you get out there all by yourself and you can feel all alone. And it's a whole lot easier to compromise your convictions and to bow down and do things that you know you shouldn't do when you feel like you're all alone. So when we come together on a Sunday morning and, and get to know each other, but beyond that, it's not just Sunday. Guess where the real life change happens? In small groups. That's why we're so passionate here about being connected in a small group. We've got to be connected relationally with other people that can help us grow in our, uh, our relationship with God, help us live as overcomers. So I'm a part of a small group. And my men's group, we meet on Sunday nights. And my men's group is helping me become an overcomer. And uh, something that we do as a men's group, we've actually been doing just, uh, I don't know, about a month or so, maybe a little bit less than that, is one of the elements of us strengthening each, each other and standing with each other is that we pray for each other. And we got this from uh, another one of our community groups, a great idea, and, and we like took it from them and um, thought that we would use it in our group. And it's, uh, we pray for each other every day at 11.45 a.m., so I've got my uh, phone with an alarm on it and the alarm goes off and it says, pray for your small group. And so all of our group, 10 of us, we stop at 1145, pause for just a moment and pray for each other. And I can't tell you how awesome that's been. I and mean, there's moments that I'll send out a text and say, hey guys, pray for this, this specific thing in my world. And then they'll respond and say something for them. Hey guys, pray for this, this specific thing. Got a text last night from a guy who said, listen, pray for me. And we all did. We responded and sent text back out. Hey, praying for you. Let us know if you need anything. We're there. We're, we're here to stand with you. And then when we see each other on Sunday nights, we encourage each other. Like, hey, how's it going? What's happening in that world? What's the update? How can we continue to stand with you and help you become the person that God wants you to be? So we are stronger together than we are apart. We need to be connected relationally. So tonight we have this incredible opportunity for, for you. If you're not connected in one of our community groups, would love for you to get connected. Um, we've got several groups that you can get connected with. One's called Starting Point. That There's a bunch of you going to start that. Uh, I think today is the first group for that. Um, but then tonight we've got this event called Group Link for people who are not connected in a community group yet. We would love for you to come out tonight, find out how you can get connected in a men's group or a women's group and gain strength together, because we're stronger together than we are apart. Tim's going to tell us a little bit more about the group link during the announcements. But again, I really encourage you to get connected in a small group. Now, here's just my final thoughts from our two stories today. Um, process through what you need to do as, as you're going to head out in a moment. You may feel that pressure right now from our culture, but you're about to walk out these doors and that pressure's coming. So decide what you need to do as you meet that pressure that's waiting for you. Number one, be like Daniel and determine to follow God. Like determine in advance. Don't wait to get into a situation where you're thinking, I'm not exactly sure what I should do. I'm not, I don't know. Like determine in advance. I'm gonna follow God. I'm gonna follow his principles. And then when you get into a scenario where you're tempted to live like the culture, then you tell yourself, remind yourself, now we're following God. I've determined to follow him. Number two, sometimes we just need to ask, do you need to just ask? Maybe there's an obstacle in your world right now and maybe all you need to do is go ask somebody. Would you help me remove this? It might just be that simple. Now, number three is a, a question. Is it time for a Clint Eastwood make it clear conversation? Like, do you need to go home 
And do you need to have a conversation with someone at home? Like maybe you've been wishy-washy about your faith and how you're living it. And maybe you kind of walk a little bit on this side of the line and then back on this side of the line. And maybe you just need to make it clear with someone. Maybe you need to make it clear with yourself. Maybe you need to go home and, and look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, hey, look at me. And then I'm not talking to you. I was talking to me, talking to me in the mirror. You know, get that? Let <laughs> me make it clear. Like we're gonna follow God. We're, de- we're determining to do this thing. And lastly, we are stronger together than we are apart. So are you connected with some people that can help you gain in the strength that you need? Now, that's all that I have for us today. Next week, we are going to continue on. We're actually going to wrap up our series uh, on Overcomer and face another obstacle that all of us face and something that, that causes a lot of people to walk away from their faith. And we're going to celebrate communion next week. So if that's something that's significant in your journey, I encourage you to come back and be a part of that with us. Now, um, we've spent the first part of this year uh, learning how to live as overcomers. And some of you, I know, have had some overcoming moments where you've overcome some things. And it's, it's fantastic. I can't wait to hear more of those stories. I've heard a few of them. But most likely, what you would say is, I, maybe I haven't overcome. Maybe I am overcoming. I would like to hear those stories as well. There's a little card on your seat. I encourage you to grab that card. And it tells you information for how to let us know your stories. So we'd love for you to share your stories with us so we can celebrate what God is doing in your life and in the life of our church as we walk through this series. So thanks for being here today. I'm going to wrap us out in prayer, and then uh, Tim's going to come up, and he's going to give us some announcements. So let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for, Lord, these stories in the Old Testament part of the Bible. There's some amazing stories where we look at young men, young men like, like Daniel, who say, listen, I, I'm, I'm determining in my heart you know, a critical age where, where he could have easily said, you know, I'm just going to do whatever the culture tells me to do. But yet he and his three friends, they, they stand in that moment and say, you know what, we're standing for God and God's truth. We're not going to be conformed to our world's standards, to the pressure our world puts on us, but we are going to influence our world in significant ways and watch God do what only God can do. So Lord, I pray for all of us that we would live like Daniel, that we would stand. Lord, I pray that, that you would empower us. There, there may be some people here today that, that need to have one of those make it clear conversations. Give them the, the courage, the boldness, the words to speak with whoever they need to speak with. And Lord, sometimes we need to have that conversation with ourselves. And Lord, I pray that you would get us connected deeply in relationships. Lord, where we would grow deep in those relationships so we can experience all that you have for us because, Lord, you've never designed us to do life alone. You want us to do life together because we are stronger together than we are apart. So I pray that you would connect us relationally and we would take a step in that direction. Thanks for teaching us today. In Jesus' name, amen.
You know, that's the one thing as we turn to God and start to learn more about him, it's amazing what he has for our lives. And uh, here at Epic, that's the one thing that we really want for you. We want to lead you into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. And each week we uh, provide something that allows you to go even deeper in your relationship with God. It's called the Spiritual Growth Challenge, and it's always at the Connection Center. So if you always, if you want to go deeper into the message and a study on your own or even use it with other people as well, uh, then pick one of those up. It's always at the Connection Center or online as well at theepicchurch.com as well. As Trent mentioned, my name is uh, Tim Jones, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And there are a few things that are coming up. Today, Starting Point begins. So if you signed up for Starting Point uh, and you haven't gotten your materials, just see me at the Connection Center. If you are still interested in jumping in Starting Point, we actually have several spots open. So you can do that. Just see me at the Connection Center, and you'll be able to do that as well. And then tonight, as Trent mentioned, we are having our group link event. It starts at 7 p.m. at Palm Coast Community Church. And so if you've been through Starting Point, we'd love to get you connected into a men's, women's, or couples community group. And it's only an hour event. We're going to have some fun. We're also going to make it real easy for you to connect with people as well. And so come on out for that this evening. Um, And we'll be doing that tonight. And then also coming up, there's an opportunity to serve. February 22nd, we are uh, doing an event where we are going out and gleaning. And what that is, is billions of food go to waste in the United States because it's not like that A-quality storefront, you know, looks good kind of food. And so it just goes to waste. And so there's an Old Testament practice where if there were poor people, they allowed um, some of the crops to be picked by them. And so we're going to go out and pick some crops or some citrus Uh, that would normally just go to waste and provide that with our partner, Grace Community Food Pantry, that serves about 2,200 people right here in our county each month and helping them uh, as they go through some tough times. So we would love for you to come on out. This is a great kid-friendly event to do together as a family, so anyone can come on out. We need you to let us know that you are interested, so if you would sign up at our website by February 18th to let us know how many people are coming out to that event, that would be great. And then if you are a middle school or high school student, we are having a camp that's coming up this summer. It's called Big Stuff Camp. It is amazing. Hundreds and hundreds of kids come to this camp uh, from several different states over in Panama City. And so we went last year. We're going back again. It is a great opportunity to be able to connect with Surge, our student ministry here, and our leaders as well. And so if you are interested, we are having an information meeting after each of the services next week, next Sunday, uh, right over here in the teacher's lounge. And so if you're interested in that, please stop by for uh, that 15, 20-minute info meeting to allow you to understand what's going on with Big Stuff Camps. And then because God cares so much about people, he wants us to give back to him. He wants us to give of our time, our talents, and our resources. And so if you call Epic Home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give at uh, each of the boxes located at each of the sections at the end, or you can also give online at theepicchurch.com as well. Well, if you're new today, we'd love to meet you. And so if you would like to find out more about Epic, please stop by the Connection Center. If you have questions, we have brochures, we have uh, able to answer some of your questions from there. And then as Trent mentioned, next week we are concluding our Overcomer series. Uh, Please uh, tell us your stories. We'd love to hear your stories and then join us for communion. It will be a great end of our series. So come on out next Sunday and we'll see you next week. So thank you for being here today and have a great week.